Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of What It Takes of Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur. I am excited to share with you a very, very special, exciting guest interview, What It Takes with Callum McVickers. The point of this podcast episode on these guest interviews is to share, is to educate, is to inspire and to encourage. And what better way than to encompass all of the coaching strategies that we visit on the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast, along with real life experience of other entrepreneurs out there in the big wide world. Callum, therefore, is an entrepreneur. He is a multi-business owner. He's lived in several different countries with several different business models and he is definitely the epitome of inspiration and education to share with you what it takes from his personal experience. So welcome Callum and thank you for taking part in this podcast and listeners, you are in for a treat. Callum, I just want to obviously allow our listeners to gain a bit more insight and understanding about you know who you are and what you have done for however many years in terms of you know growing your entrepreneurial empire as it is yeah sure um i mean really i could start from growing up in the uk and you know i went to high school i grew up in the uk in the north of england you know not too far from you and um i always had this passion for just selling things and and also mixing that with sort of a low attention span in school and not necessarily being a good student i always got bored easily and i always wanted to keep my mind stimulated and do new things and i remember even when i was really young my mum used to say to me like the only thing that could keep me engaged even from a young age was like lego i would sit there and build these towers you know lego for four five six hours but other than that I could never sit still. And I remember that my dad, he would, he would always travel away with work and stuff. He would go to Hull and different places and he would always come back with like a new Lego kit. And I remember he would, he used to come back and he'd have like, he'd buy me a spaceship Lego and then he'd buy me like a pirate ship Lego. And it'd be like these two different sets of Lego and it'd come with the really, you know, nice straightforward instructions. Here's how to build it. And I would get so excited. He would come home, I would like take the Lego and then I would just like open the box, take it, pour all the Lego into one big pile. So, and then just completely mix the Spaceman Lego with the pirate ship Lego. And then I would just build my own version of what I wanted to create, right? And my dad would be like, no, you're supposed to follow the rules. Like, here's how you do it. No, no, no. The helmet's going like this. The spaceship helmet's going on the spaceship. And I'd be like, no, I want to put like a pirate hat helmet on the spaceman, right? And I'd have like all of this, this big mess. And then I'd create my own version of what I want it to look like. And somehow, you know, create it into something that I thought was cool. 
And my parents would have like all of these little stacks of Lego all over the house. And, you know, that was, for me, I love these kind of stories because when you answer the question of like, are entrepreneurs born or made? I think that there's always like a little spark somewhere. Um, and then, you know, different factors in life come together to kind of spark that or grow, if you like. But for me, that was it really. That Lego story kind of epitomizes my early career as an entrepreneur was just literally like wanting to create things, getting bored easily and, you know, wanting to see what I could come up with essentially. And so as soon as I finished school, I college and I was, I had really two interests in school, like science and exercise. And I was like, Oh, once I found out there was a way that you could combine those two things, I was like shocked and it ended up being sports science. So I went to study that at university and then when I was in university, I ended up doing a internship in New York and starting. A, and then after six months of working there with two really successful entrepreneurs who had a chain of gyms in the US, I ended up starting a business with them after six months. And then that was the first time where I had a company that made real money and did well and then, you know, impacted people's lives and stuff like that that was in the fitness space. And then shortly after that, I moved to Asia and then I started to get into e-commerce space. And that is when I started testing lots of different ideas and trial and error of things. And then um, a couple of hits to misses. And then three years, yeah, three years ago, I got involved into a watch company. Um, and then that became a seven figure business. And um, yeah, now I'm pretty much systematized that and I'm now looking at doing different projects that are interesting to me. One of them is consulting. Another one is I'm looking at starting a, a marketing company for me, which is going to be teaching retailers about social media and online marketing and kind of bridging the gap of those two worlds. And so, yeah, it's been a interesting journey so far, but like it's been really interesting at the same time. Excellent. Like, where do we start? That is just absolutely fascinating. I want to go back to kind of where you started from, though, with your Lego and your creation. You touched upon something there, which is a question of mine of are entrepreneurs born? Can they be created? And you said that, you know, you think that there's something that's initially already there. What is it then that you're saying that's already that already needs to be there for somebody to be entrepreneurial? It's not that I think that entrepreneurs are born necessarily. It's just that I think that there's, there's a, the one word I would use to describe it is there's a curiosity. Uh-huh. There's, there's an element of curiosity to question things, to not just know how things are the way that they are, but why they are that way. And that's, that's one thing I've definitely seen amongst a lot of people who start businesses. It's that they're very curious and they ask why, and they don't just settle for the status quo. Now, how you actually come across curiosity is, you know, it's a different conversation because human beings, you know, as I've got older, I've realized and and I've really taken a deep dive into human behavior and psychology. And I like to think I understand those subjects very, very well now. And one of the things I've realized is that people, once they get to a certain stage in life, a human being is no different to a plant in the sense that, once the plant has, you know, a stable amount of water, sunlight, you know, once it has its nutrients, it, it doesn't want to be 
disrooted, if you like. It doesn't want to be moved. It wants to stay and just kind of, you know, enjoy the resources that it's getting. And unless there's some sort of push, unless there's some sort of like momentum, some leverage that, that allows that human being or that plant to, to actually move in a direction in which it's going, it's very, very, very difficult to change that, right? And I've just seen that like, like time and time again. And in my case, like I said, I think that I was, I had this thing inside me already, which was curiosity. And then through parental conditioning, through social conditioning, and through particular life, life events that happened, call it, you know, grace or God, or call it, you know, a higher power, whatever. I, I put myself out there but certain things that were completely out of my control also pushed me into that direction, I think, of, of going down the entrepreneurial path. And I think I've seen, you know, a lot of people where maybe they are curious to, to begin with, but then maybe they have parents who suppress that, or maybe, they, maybe they're not actually curious at all, but then they, once they get into high school or school, they start to be around curious people. Maybe it's like, you know, they're 15 and they've got like a, a peer group of, they get into a peer group who are all curious and, and they're all studying something interesting and then they start to get interested, right? So there's a lot of factors involved in it. I don't necessarily think you're born with it, but I think that it's this combination of parental conditioning, social conditioning, and luck. Look, okay. Speak to me more about luck. Let's expand on that one. Yeah, well, luck, you know, like I kind of referred to earlier, you know, call it luck, call it grace, call it God, whatever, right? There's certain things in life that you cannot control. A great, one, a great example of this is how me and you met, Yeah. right? So I was going, you know, we were both going to New York, right? Or was yeah. it even coming back? It was coming going to New back, York, wasn't it? Coming back. Coming back, right? Yeah. So we met, you know, how it, like, God, eight years ago, was it now or something? Six, six years ago? That is an example of how, you know, we didn't, all we did was get ourselves on a plane. Now, yeah. from one point of view, if we hadn't have pushed ourselves to go on that trip, to get on that plane, to use the energy and resources we had to go and explore a new place, then we never would have met each other, right? Mm -hmm. But if you actually look at the, the odds of us meeting, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not a mass guy, but like one billion to one or God knows what, right? Like it's, it's insanely high chances that you know one of a billion other things could have happened right that is something that i'm talking about where it's it's grace it's luck it's something that is a higher power that is out of our control that it's the universe almost without getting too you know woo woo or spiritual it's something is, is has come together to allow that to happen now when i was younger i used to think oh you know it's just coincidence it's just whatever but, but as I've got older, um, I've started to see a pattern in my own life where as I've, as I've had exponential changes in my life or if there's, if there's been certain key moments in my life, there's always been this element of luck that is underlying, under, under, underneath the actual result in the physical world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a business mentor. He said, Callum, so you want to generate an extra hundred grand in your business. You can jump on the phone right now and you can start calling people. 
you know, for 10 hours a day, bang, 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 100 sales calls a day, just calling, 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 calling. And all day long, you're calling people. Or you could walk into Starbucks and you could meet a $100,000 customer in the line at Starbucks. Now, obviously, I'm not saying don't work. It's, it's not saying that, but what I'm saying is that there's elements in life like that that you can't control. And the people that walk into Starbucks, the people that seem to live a life that's effortless, where things get attracted to them, is it's, it's real. Like I've just seen it so many times where the vibe that people have, the, what they put out into the world is what they receive. That, it, it, it's, it happens time and time again. And you read like cheesy stories about it in books and stuff. But I've now personally experienced it in my life like a handful of times. And you know, that, is, that is what I mean by luck. It's, it's, it's something that is conspiring to allow you to live your best life. But in order for you to do that, you have to put your, the best version of yourself out there and take a risk. Yeah, I'm all for this because obviously this this is how a lot of our initial conversation started on the uh, on the plane, wasn't it? Callum, you actually was the first person to recommend me to read uh, The Power of Now, and that that actual book that I had delivered to me a couple of days after I landed back in the UK is is just about threadbare now. I am ready for another copy, but yeah, in terms of all of all of this context and all about kind of your interpretation of luck, I, I really, really appreciate you sharing that with us. Reason why I picked up on that is because even the terminology of luck, people have different sort of understandings of it, don't they? And it's always used, particularly in business and particularly when people are going against the grain and doing something different in terms of they... Or everybody always says, oh, you just got lucky. You know, you may, you may have been working your ass off for like five years behind closed doors or, you know, taking all the risks that you talk about and putting yourself, you know, under a lot of financial, emotional, mental pressure to then achieve what it is that you're wanting to achieve. And then you've got other people on the other side of the fence just claiming that you've just been lucky. So to understand your terminology and understanding around look is very, very refreshing. I think that's a great point. And more importantly, if your audience would value it, if you would value it, another way that you can think about it is it's really a state of consciousness. That's what it is. And there's been several people now, if you study books like Power Versus Force or you look at like David Hawkins' map of consciousness. Again, this is, you take a lot of this with a pinch of salt in the sense that it's not exactly scientifically backed, but every year there's becoming more evidence towards it. So the idea is that we have a level, we have a ladder, if you like, of consciousness. And that allows us to progress further and further and further up. And, and, and the ladder, the, the level of consciousness, we, as, as human beings, we express emotions and we have thoughts that resonate with a certain level of consciousness. And once you start to climb up that ladder by doing a lot of work on yourself, you will start to see things happening that are not in your control, that you, by improving yourself, your life improves. And you have to push the boulder up the hill to begin with. Yeah. But sooner or later, that boulder builds momentum. And you know, one of the things... When I, before I met you, when I went to New York, one of the crazy things about that was 
how I actually ended up getting to New York was that I was on a train from Prague to Berlin and it was like a six hour journey in the middle of the summer. And it was like crazy hot. Everyone was like stressed out on the train. And I was sat there with my girlfriend and it was completely packed. This train it was full. And I like kind of looked out of the train and the train was in these carriages, these like sections of like four. And this, I saw this guy like stumbling down the carriage with his bag, kind of looking awkward and wondering what to do. And, and everyone was being rude and not letting him in the carriage. And there was no space for him. And I was sat there and it was, and it was this tiny little space next to me, you know, and this guy, he was, for lack of a better word, he was really fat. And he was just like, I was like, oh my God, I'm not, if, if I let him sit here for six hours, I'm going to be, you know, squashed. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to enjoy my journey, right? But then the other thought came in and said, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing here. I'm going to let him sit down. So I opened the, the door. I said, hey man, you can come down and sit here. There's, you know, there's a little space here. So I help him. He comes in, you know, help him with his bag, put his bag up. He sits down. I'm squashed, but we get talking. And said, how, you know, how are you doing? What's going on? And 45 minutes into the journey, he says, oh, you know, um, I'm a lawyer and, you know, this is what I'm doing with my work and blah, blah, blah. And I live in New York City. And I said, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. And then I tell him, you know, oh, I'm here. I'm interrailing my girlfriend and I'm going to Berlin. Oh, I'm also going to Berlin as well. So, oh, maybe we can go out. We can have a drink tonight when we get there. I said, great, cool. So, you know, sounds good. So we get to Berlin. We go out for a beer. And then I tell him all about my dream about going to New York and about how, you know, I really would love to go. But, you know, I'm not from a wealthy family. My parents, they can't afford to, to send me. I've woken up every morning at 5 a.m. and I've sold all of my clothes. I've sold all of my things at car book sales to get me the money to buy a plane ticket. But I don't have enough money for accommodation. This guy goes, sure, no worries. You can stay with me. Wow. Now, if he hadn't have said that to me, I wouldn't have been able to go to New York. I wouldn't have met you. Yeah. Right. But what happened there was, I, if I didn't have opened the door for that guy and let him sit down, I'd never have met him. And there's a high chance I'd never have gone to New York. Yeah. But what I did was I opened the door, let him sit down. Next minute, he's a lawyer, lives in New York. He lets me stay with him. Then that one time, think about this, that one tiny decision essentially built the rest of my entire career yeah yeah because everything then has developed from there hasn't it exactly so then what happened I, I managed to stay with him I did the internship then I got the job then I started the business then boom 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 all the way up right so if you really want to dial it back and you want to get super you know deep with it then you could essentially say opening a train door built my entire career opening yeah. a train door changed my life now if you go and you say that to people they'll get freaked out and they'll say you know what oh, that's bullshit blah but this is my own personal experience i'm speaking about it's not a theory that's what i mean by you know this grace aspect of entrepreneurship and and, and really putting your best foot forward because you never know what can happen but you'd started a lot a long time before that though, Callum, in terms of, you know, your own personal development, learning about how you can be more self-aware, more kind of in tune with who you are, how you can better yourself before any of that business momentum got up and running. However which way it happened, you know, you know, that that was meant to be for you, but you'd already started building the foundations yourself long before that, hadn't you? 
Oh yeah, but the difference is that envir the environment that I was in and also the progress that I was making and the age that I was at, you know, things, things were very, very slow. Uh, what took me to the next level was going to the States and being around a different peer group. That's what changed the game for me was, you know, all of a sudden the environment that I got pushed into gave me like this, these exponential results on steroids in terms of, in terms of everything, mindset, who I was hanging around, the types of conversations I was having, the books I was reading, the habits. I remember when I first got to America and I used to do back in, this is, you know, before meditation was taught. Eight, 10 years ago, I used to sit in my parents' living room and do meditation with like some like weird Chinese bamboo music playing and some, you know, voodoo scents and whatever. And everyone would make fun of me. Then I went to New York and all of a sudden, the first week I was there, I started observing Mark and Michael doing these, these they had these habits, they were doing these behaviors. I said, why, why, why are you reading these books? It's like, I read two books a week. That's my, that's a habit that I have. I was like, well, interesting. Like, why is it that you do that? Or he would meditate and I would say, you know, why do you meditate? Right. And, and what, what it was, what I was seeing was that these results, these, these behaviors, these habits were actually leading to success. Whereas when I was younger, when I was living in England, it was very theory based, right? Like it was just me reading books, me understanding, me kind of getting my teeth into a little bit, but it wasn't until I moved to the US that I actually saw someone who was really successful, not just talking about it, but actually like practicing what they were preaching. Yeah. In terms of that with the habits and the patterns and what you mentioned earlier about building that momentum and particularly being around the right people in the right environment will resonate completely with a lot of my listeners. But over the last 12 months of this podcast, obviously, I've been putting different episodes out on each of these, these areas for that then to be the theory that they take on board. But I always will say the theory is pretty meaningless. Yes, it's kind of enlightening you slightly, but it's meaningless unless you're the one that's going to go out and apply it. So I reckon what you're saying in terms of, you know, you've got that, that double that double kind of coming together of, of dovetailing of the theory and the application when you was out in the US. What would be your advice for people if they are just then taking on that theory? A lot of people are just so hell-bent on learning, but it's learning just theory. You just said that obviously your theory, it only got you so far. So in terms of when you were out in the US and you'd, you'd, got, the, you'd got the two combined together, the theory and the actual application, because it was everything that was like the patterns leading on to the success and the momentum. If people are just sat listening to the podcast, for example, consuming information off social media, reading books, going on courses... What would, what would be your advice for them to actually get the best out of all of that learning knowledge? It's a great question. The first thing that I would do is I would put yourself in a position to win and also understand that touching on what we spoke briefly earlier about is don't underestimate human behavior. Don't underestimate how difficult it is to become successful in certain areas you need to make sure that you're you've gotten all the ducks in in a row but, but even more important than that you need to figure out which is the domino that you can tip that is going to allow all the other dominoes to fall down 
right? Which is the one thing, if you could just, because we live in a society now where we're constantly overwhelmed, we're overstimulated, we've got a million books telling us to do this, 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 and this, all these courses, all this crap. And it's great, don't get me wrong, it's, it's improving the consciousness of the world, but it's also leading to overwhelm and procrastination. So the number one thing is, and, and this was a thing that I had to tattoo on, on my eyelids, which was successful people don't just do the right thing. They do the right thing in the right order. The order of your actions is paramount to success. And this is where most people get mixed up because they're, tr they're, they're aiming at five targets and they hit none. Yeah. And they might actually be five targets that are very legit, very good targets to be aiming at. But which target you hit first is more important than having the right five, right? And so figuring out what domino you can tip in your life to do that is the key. And the number one domino in my personal experience, again, I could be totally wrong with this. This is just my personal experience and, and, and what I've learned for myself is environment is the number one domino that you can tip. Environment, environment, environment. You can sit around, you can meditate, you can read all the books, you can you know, do whatever the latest guru is telling you to do in the business or personal development space. But that will not do anything compared to you changing your environment and getting around wolves, getting around, you know, the wolf pack, getting around the people who you can literally learn from and mirror their behavior. And they can, you know, and then over time, they'll, they'll you can, it's like this synergy. You mirror their behavior, they mirror your behavior. And it's kind of this upward spiral that sends you up. And that is the number one thing that I've seen um, in terms of, what they could do, change your environment. That's it for sure. And, and, and that, you know, that can be, that can be difficult depending upon your age, you, you know, if you have a family or wherever, or so let's say this, you're reading the books, you meditate, you want to start a business or you started a business, but you've not got the traction you want. And you're thinking to yourself, what can I do? How can I get to where I want to get to? And what I would say is, you know, don't be harsh on yourself initially if you've got a family and you're thinking, oh, well, this guy's telling me to change my environment. I can't, you know, I can't leave my wife behind. I can't leave my kids. I've, I've got this base here. You know, what can I do? The first thing is base your actions on asking yourself better questions. So understanding what the questions are, first of all, that are going to lead you to getting the right results. Don't try and rush off in a flurry and be like, right, I need to change my environment, so I want to do this, this, and this. It's not that. It's about figuring out which is the, what, what's the question that's going to lead me to the right answer. And um, to give you an example, one of the questions I asked myself this year was, where am I making my life difficult when it can be easy? And I spent some time, I, my personal thing is, I take two hours every single week, and I just sit there with a journal and a pen, and I just write down, where am I making my life hard when it can be easy? From that one single question, I've discovered all of these different areas of my life and I've ended up drastically changing different areas and producing much better results, right? So you ask yourself a question that's related to your environment. You say, right, you know, what, what's the one thing that I could do that would allow me to get access to a new type of environment without messing things up at home, without, you know, messing up my job or whatever it is, the situation that you're in. Just figure out that one thing and then once you're there, start to work from that place. It could be that you join, you know, a local Toastmasters group and you start doing public speaking. 
you know, that's actually where I met my business partner who did the watch company with. I joined Toastmasters, you know, and a lot of people in the room were, let's say, on their own journey doing something different. But there was one guy who was like really cool in entrepreneurship. I ended up starting a business with him. So you never know, you know, what the one thing is going to be. Go to a, you know, a local like meetup in your town of a certain passion or hobby. Maybe you meet someone there. It's about, first of all, getting around the right people. And then ideally, you know, and I tell this to a lot of my, I've had a completely uh, remote career. And I tell this to a lot of my friends who are starting businesses or wanting to scale to the next level. I say, go where the fish are. Don't fish in a pond with no fish in it. And this is different because they're, you know, 23, 25, 29, or maybe they're in their early 30s, but they don't have any commitments. And the first thing they do is they go to Thailand or they go to Lisbon or they go to one of these places where it's an entrepreneurial hub. And all of a sudden, every way they look left and right, there's someone doing something inspiring and they start to like absorb that energy and they start to, it gets into them, it seeps into them. And before you know it, they're doing things that improve their life. And then six months later, a year later, I see them and they're much, much better off. So that's why I think for me, whenever I speak to someone who is starting out, if there's, if there's one thing that you could do, focus on your environment. And the environment is the, the place that you're in and the people that you surround yourself with. In terms of obviously all the places then that you've been, to name a few, obviously you've mentioned the UK, the US, over in Asia, and now currently you are in Lisbon. Obviously the two key elements there that you're speaking about is the people around you and the places that you kind of hang out and the places that you kind of class as your um, sort of standard environment that's enhancing you and helping you grow. How do you figure that out then when you're, when you're being so remote and so fluid in terms of the different areas and the different countries that you're basically starting shop up in all over again? Is it still the same principles that apply? So the way I feel I could add value with this question is remote work is very different to a traditional business in the sense that you need a few, you need a few of the key things. Yeah. For me personally, I don't travel like constantly because it's a nightmare what i do is i usually go to where the fish are right so i move to a place where all the cool people are hanging out all the people are starting a business there's just loads of like cool shit going on it's inspiring mm -hmm. and i move there and i start getting around those people and i start seeing what's going on i get sort of a, a feeling for it and also i move to a place that not only has the community in the, in the environment, but it also has a lot of things that I just love about life, right? It has, I'm a sunshine guy, so it has to be hot and sunny. It has, you know, massive amounts of convenience. I love convenience. It's got a great, like, uh, nature and, and lifestyle aspect to it. Maybe it's, you are going surfing during the week or going hiking in the mountains or going for a swim, like, whatever. Like, it's got a, you know, that, that aspect to it. Um, and then also it's affordability as well. My, like not as much now that is a factor, but for the last five, six years, it was a huge factor, right? A lot of these places that I was living in had like zero startup costs, you know, and to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm making five, $600 a month or something like that. And that was enough to actually sustain my living in, in terms of, you know, I was living in Thailand, you know, apartment, everything else, food, blah, blah, blah. you're looking at, you know, five, six hundred, a thousand to live a good life, right? So that means that you don't have to have all these overheads 
and you don't have all the bills and the car payments and the mortgage. No, no, no. You just, you don't have anything. You just focus on your business. That's what I've personally done is like, I've just moved to places that have fit that criteria. I don't think that remote work is the best option. It depends on the type of business you're starting. If you want to build a business that's like a legit business and you want to scale it, then I don't think that remote work is the best thing to do. I think that you should still put yourself in the best position to win, go where the fish are. So if you want, for example, have a tech startup, move to San Francisco, move to you know, Israel, move to wherever, like wherever the, wherever the tech scene is, go there, right? If you want to start an e-commerce business that makes you know, two to 5,000 a month profit and you want to travel, then go to Thailand, go to Vietnam, you know, go to Lisbon, right? So it's about what type of business do you want to start to begin with and then figuring out does that business suit your, your lifestyle? Fabulous. In terms of also what you said there about, you know, sourcing out all the stuff that you're aligned with, not only in business vision, all about kind of your lifestyle choices, what you actually like doing as an individual personally, you know, what are your passions? How important is that for any new startups or entrepreneurs that are looking to expand? How important is the alignment over their enjoyment factors to the actual Mm. business goals and vision? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things is that when you move to a different culture, you get exposed to different ideas, right? And one of the things that's kind of seeping into me is living in Portugal, it's the simple things in life that are the most important. Here, the average salary is like 680 euros a month or something crazy, right? And people value family. They value sitting around and having a nice meal with your family, with your friends. You know, they value a nice glass of wine. They value going to the beach on the weekend and relaxing and they value being outside in the sun and drinking a coffee, you know, and it's these small things that make people very happy here. And I think that being in this environment has definitely affected me and my friends and made me realize that as well. And that has for sure affected my business goals at times because it's made me lazy or it's made me, depending on how I look at it, sometimes it's just made me flat out lazy. Um, where I'm just rationalizing why I'm not doing anything because I want to go surfing. But then sometimes it's actually made me step back and smell the roses and just be like, are you really appreciating life? And the balance between those two things and understanding, you know, which one it is that I'm sort of leaning more towards, it's, it's a dance, right? And I'm, and I'm getting, better at, getting better at it. It's sometimes, you know, you, you self-sabotage and sometimes it's not. You just need to take a break. I think I totally need to move to Lisbon. (laughs) (laughs) Just mentioned there about appreciation is, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I can see myself as well, by the way. Like when I lived in the UK, there's there's two different different angles that you can attack this from, right? Because I have really, you know, spiritual friends and people who they don't have a lot of material possessions. And they say, you know, all you need to be happy is you need presence and you need to be fulfilled in life and you need, you know, simple things and you find joy in the present moment and everything is inside you, you know, happiness you already have. Then I have on the other scale, I have like really hardcore business friends that are just like money, need to get the Ferrari, need to get the yacht, you know, I'm going and then they'll call me up and they're like, Hey, we're renting a boat and we're going to be, you know, me and 10 girls we're going on a boat and we're going to sailing down the coast in Portugal. There's going to be a DJ. There's going to be, you know, music. We're going to be swimming in the ocean, bring the surfboards. Now, 
you're telling me that that's not going to make you happy. Of course it is, right? <laughs> of course it is. So it's not that it's not that it's one or it's the other. It's just that I think that you know you, you need you need both. You need internal you need internal sense of happiness that you don't need anything from the outside world. But then you also don't want to use that as an excuse to not do anything because it's not it's not that like money makes you happy, but also not having a lot of money doesn't make you happy. Right. So there's not, that's not an excuse to not go out there and make a lot of money because I don't need money because I don't need to be happy. No, that's just a rationalization. Right. But it's like, why not have both? Why not have, why not go on the yacht? And also why not be able to sit there and meditate? Everything of what you've just said, I think you summed it up very, very nicely because I don't see it as a balance and creating a balance because sometimes that balance doesn't exist depending on what you've got on in life, depending on what deadlines you're hitting, things like that. You know, the things that, that do have to move around and be a bit more fluid and like have the understanding behind it on what you need to hit at that particular time. But also then on the flip side of it, you know, you have to be flexible and understanding and have that awareness that you yourself have got needs and desires. And sometimes you need to reset and recharge and take yourself away from e- either if it's like online and technical stuff or it's people and like the business and finance and numbers and all of that. But then, it, like you said, it's having that dance between everything and making sure that, you know, you can go for everything and have everything and have that almost that abundant mindset instead of it being either or. 100% agree. I just want to touch upon skills and mindset. We, you've spoke quite a lot in terms of, you know, how you've developed your mindset and being around the right people and a lot of kind of learning on the job, even though, you know, you, you have, you've had quite a, a, a sort of set vision I guess that you wanted to always do something and achieve something more than just being in the ordinary sort of average lifestyle of of somebody back home may have been what would you say has been most important to you is that your skill set or your mindset Mm, that is a great question I think it's really (laughs) powerful um I would say that it's a combination of both Similar to what I said earlier about I have these two sets of friends, right? So the spiritual and the business people. Well, the spiritual friends, what they really struggle with is having business skills. They don't have any skills, okay? My business friends have a lot of skills, but oftentimes they don't have the mindset, right? So this is the kind of, again, riding the theme of the dance. It's like, it's, it's, got, it's, not, it's not one or the other, it's both. Okay, you need the you need the mindset to be able to sustain a career, no doubt about it, because entrepreneurship is a rocky, rocky road. It's it's ups and downs and way more downs than ups usually. And you know, you've got to be resilient for sure, there's no doubt about it. Have that said, you have to have to have business skills. There's just there's just no way around that. If you don't understand marketing and sales, if you don't understand basic level finances, if you don't understand resources and how to allocate resources, how to hire, how to build a culture, how to diversify, how to outsource, you know, how to ask yourself critical questions and figure out what the drivers are in your own business, then you don't have to be, you know, Richard Branson, but if you can't do those things at a basic level, you don't stand a chance at being successful in business. So I think that it's both. You need skills, but you also need a mindset. 
out of those two, going back right to when we started off the, uh, the, the interview here, could you say that any of those could be learned? Yeah, I mean, if I, if I could put my finger on it, right, and say, okay, if you said, what's the top three skills to be an entrepreneur? Um, I think it's, it's, if I had to pick three just for my own personal life, yeah. um, it would be self-esteem, resourcefulness, and then the ability to execute, execution, execution yeah. mentality. And I think that resourcefulness and the ability to execute can be learned. Um, I think that self-esteem is 50-50. I think self-esteem can be cultivated for sure. But I also think that a big part of self-esteem is, is comes from childhood and how you're raised by your parents. And that is very, very difficult to, to overcome. You know, if you had a really tough upbringing, a really tough childhood, and, you know, if you look at yourself in the mirror every day and you think that you're a piece of shit, that is going to be very difficult to overcome. doesn't matter what, what you're doing in life. If you think you're a piece of shit and you have no self-esteem, you know, it's going to be tough. Now, can you overcome that? 100% you can. But I do think it's 100% learnable. Just, it's, a, it's a much longer process. 100% agree. I think that any of the top three components that you said you know, can be cultivated and can be learned, um, particularly self-esteem, self-esteem, self-belief, self-worth, all of the self factors I include within my uh, HEW process model basically is a byproduct of making the commitment in the first place, applying yourself to what it is that you need to be doing, creating that momentum and then from the momentum, like creating the results with the results is where you then see the offshots of the byproducts of self-worth, self-esteem. You can't just create self-esteem overnight, but a lot of belief in it and a lot of belief in yourself is through obviously the time and the process and the application that you're putting into things to ensure that you have got what it takes. It sounds like a, a really interesting process. I think that Self-esteem is, it's a tricky one in the sense that, you know, you need, I'm all about results, right? For sure, results build self-esteem, no questions asked. But if you tie your self-worth to results too heavily, it can become a rocky table. You know, it can be, you know, sort of, if a table's built on four legs and you take one of those legs away, all of a sudden that table's wobbly, right? And if someone builds a big part of their personality on the results that they've achieved, all of a sudden, if they lose those results, then they can lose their sense of identity, their sense of who they are. And that can become a big psychological issue. Yes. So I'm all about results, but I'm also about like, you're not going for it from a place of desperation, right? To like improve who you are. You're going for it because you're inspired. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's coming for inspiration instead of like desperation. If that makes sense. That's yeah. the way that I kind of look at it anyway, but you know. Just to obviously finish up there on those, uh, on the emphasis on the results and putting kind of all your eggs in one basket, you know, creating your self-esteem from that, particularly people that are growing their self-esteem bit by bit, because that's how it is. It just doesn't come in, in one 
injection of there you are you know you're cured and now you've got mm-hmm. self-esteem because you've you've got x y and z results it comes out of ebbs and flows of things and if you start off by it just being you're slotting something into the process model of it just being a small achievable goal that they're that they're heading towards it could be something on a personal level it could be something going right back to what their positive routines need to be if somebody's not getting out of bed till seven o'clock in the morning and then their new goal is that they need to be up for half past five and bit by bit they're achieving that and then they're doing it and they can see all the all the positives that are offshotting from that that's where I'm saying about you know creating the momentum and creating that process that with it it's then cultivating their own self-belief from there that makes sense yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and there's definitely small wins and momentum is is everything for sure last question I want to ask you is what has surprised you the most about being in business yeah um it is a good question i think that one of the big big things i've realized from entrepreneurship is i've understood the ability i have to deal with uncertainty and business has increased my ability to deal with uncertainty and that has been a powerful thing over the years because you never know what's around the corner you never know what's going to come you never know what life's going to hit you with and been able to let go and to understand that I really can deal with what life brings me. And most, most people can deal with what life brings them as well. It's just that they don't have the reference experience yet. They've not gone through enough shit yet to really, or maybe they have, but a lot of people that I speak to, you know, they haven't you know, been through anything that's really tested them. And so, you know, then they naturally, they think that maybe they, they're afraid of the future or they, they think they can't deal with things or even they're very, very afraid about uncertainty. And I think that's one of the big things I've realized is about business and, and life in general is just that, you know, when, when shit happens, I usually, I usually deal with it, you know, and, and move on. So with you, with, with you obviously learning that, that ability to to deal with that uncertainty and that you, you you're dealing with it have you always had that kind of attitude and that mindset to be able to do that or again is that something that you've learned and that you've grown in yourself as time has gone on yeah i think that the resilience like the resiliency piece it's it's grown every year as i've as i've got into business right because you can't hide in business if things are not going well you don't have time to sit around your laurels and, you know, do nothing. You've yeah. got to react and you've got to do things and you've got to take action. And you've got to be able to take action, like in, in the spite of uncertainty. You've got to take action despite not knowing what could happen. Fantastic. Callum, thank you so much for your time. You've been informative, inspirational and insightful. As always, you never fail to surprise me. And I'm so thankful <laughs> that you've been able to share some of that with our listeners as well on the HEW podcast. So thank you ever so much for your time. Just to um, inform listeners, where can they get hold of you? Where can they see any of your work or follow any of your businesses? You're more than welcome. Thanks for having me on. Um, you can check me out at callumvickers.com, which is a new website that I'm going to be launching. And you can find me on Instagram at callumvickers, on Facebook, callumvickers. They're more like personal stuff. So if you have any questions, you know, feel free to 
send me a DM or something. And that's the, that's the best place to find me. Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.